gonna get corona from Mona. Don't vaccinate. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You gotta vaccinate in the Lone Star State. Vaccination is so great. Vaccinate me all day long. Vaccinate your daddy and mom. Vaccinate my body. Vaccinate me at the party. I vaccine dream. I love the vaccine all day long. I want to vaccinate your mom. I want to stick it deep in your arm. Omar, where are you? I want to vaccinate you. But you can't hear my song. Vaccinate me in my thong. Vaccination, right or wrong. Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. I want it in my body. Hello and good evening. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. We are the folks who are going to help you find the benefit of the madness. Reason and the unreasonable makes sense out of nonsense because this is... Okay, hear me out. Aaron and Bob, how y'all doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron? Dude, that guy... <laughs> that guy makes Dr. Steve Brule not only look reasonable and intelligent, but also <laughs> like the real doctor. That was insane. Is that guy actually a nurse? <laughs> I hope an actual <laughs> doctor. <laughs> oh god, would it be hard to believe that uh, the vaccine for him was actually an improvement? <laughs> it made him less gay, <laughs> if it's possible. Well, I, I just assumed he was meaning it was going to make him dead, <laughs> which would be definitely an improvement over his current state. Is there any? Is there any context for that video? Is he just kind of performing that in an empty auditorium? It himself. looked like a it looked like a city hall because it was like a an open mic for like a city hall or like a county hall or something like that. That's stuff like some like county or like town yeah. board meeting. Yeah, trying to push the vaccination. Obviously, it was just an open mic session. Dude, a a grassroots, uh, independently composed and performed uh, musical act. Um, not propaganda. It was literally just like. It was the equivalent of like vaccine slam poetry. <laughs> like, oh, not that, dude. Not vaccinate even. me today. Doom, 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 doom. Because no, I'm gay. It, it was it was more like a, a a vaccine song mashup because he even changed the song and went to the Dr. Fauci. Give me that ouchie. He was like doing oh, what's that band called? I totally forget. Where they just do mashups and they change the song every 15 seconds. He never actually sang, though. It was just him shouting frantically <laughs> to a kind of a there, beat. There was a certain rhythmic quality to it. Yeah, It was just him being a fucking lunatic in front of people, in front of everyone. His entire <laughs> fucking county, his entire state. If you'd like to be a lunatic in front of us, where would they uh, call there, Bob? Uh, 1-833-666-911. Again, that's 1-833-666-0911. Fucking beautiful. Oh, nailed it. Are you guys ready for the second part of the Hitler series we're doing? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this one, the last time we did Hitler, like all the way leading up to World War II and like Austria just being like, yeah, this guy fucking rules and wore the roses and all that. Mm -hmm. This time I want to focus on did you guys know that Winston Churchill is maybe the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life? You know, you're not the first person to bring this up to me, but the first person did not elaborate whatsoever. <laughs> is, is this by virtue of his size or his shittiness? 
even at his immense size, <laughs> even at his immense size, pound for pound, he might be the shittiest person I've ever seen in my life. And that's saying something. Wow. He's extra shitty. So, first of all, he blew all of his money. Like, all throughout the 30s, the whole time that he was in power, he just just abused the system, just basically stole from his constituents and then just gambled it away. Uh, so he spent 40,000 pounds a year on casinos. In today's terms, that's half a million pounds a year on casinos. And then 54,000 pounds on booze. So he spent a million dollars on gambling and booze every year. That's pretty rad. And President <laughs> Trump didn't do that. I'm just gonna say that's pretty fucking rad. <laughs> what a baller. <laughs> Walking around in a top hat, being fucking like short and fat and just fucking throwing money around, getting wasted. I would agree, yeah. except the entire time it was like taxpayer dollars and then his uh, own okay. personal funds until he was bankrupt. And then this is one of my favorite stories ever. He was they how the how the Daily Mail described it was it was like a miracle sent by God that anonymous investor or like anonymous people just gave him like a million pounds or two million pounds to just wipe away all of his debts. And then they act like that's like free of charge, like that comes no strings attached. Would you and this was anonymous, but you want to know who one of his associates was very shortly after his anonymous uh, donation? Uh, this one I found. Well, this one I found very interesting. Uh, I don't Bernard want to sound man. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say I would guess, but I don't want to sound anti-Semitic for no reason. <laughs> right, we've crossed that line a long time ago. The Yeah, but we had a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. One of his associates was Bernard Mans Baruch. I'm sure I butchered the pronunciation, but he was an American financier and statesman. So he was the chairman of the War Industries Board in America for Woodrow Wilson in World War One. He was also one of the richest people in America. But hold that. Well, here we go. Early life and education. Bernard Baruch was born to a Jewish family on August 19, 1870 in Camden, South Carolina. So, yes. The Jews. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and now we wow. have a reason. And he's on the War Council. He was, uh, he was the chairman of the War Industry Board or whatever the hell they oh, called okay. it for America for World War One. Yeah. So yeah. he, like, made very... Wow. Like the big head defense uh, contractor, on, like contracts. Yep, he was the one that like okay. hired out contractors, like gave them. Yeah, did all but, those. But deals. this this was pre military industrial complex, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't, we didn't do that then. Back then, it was just about cool. fighting just, bad. Just, guys. just want to clarify, one hundred percent proportional to the threat. That didn't happen until after Afghanistan. Yeah, I don't think money was <laughs> even invented until nineteen sixty three. Yeah. So we, we just did everything nobly for, for ore, lumps of ore. <laughs> so on to Churchill. I'm gonna we'll play some clips from uh, a historian, David Irving. 
who also before we start the clip uh he lost a lawsuit where uh he tried to uh sue somebody for libel in 1996 because they called him a holocaust denier and he said it was like hurting his reputation in business and the then he lost that case and then the news of course acted like he lost a case trying to disprove the holocaust which wasn't the case that he just couldn't prove that it was he just couldn't prove conclusively that he was taking financial losses from the smear on his person you know on his yeah yeah name and so he lost the liable case and then they just dragged him after that for being uh crossing the line of dangerous (laughs) anti-semitism but he's he has some really interesting uh points here that he talks about in world war ii so go ahead and roll the first clip these are particularly generated in wartime because you can only persuade the soldiers to fight in wartime by telling them lies because man's natural instinct isn't to go around hunting and killing man's natural instinct nowadays is to sit in front of the telly at home or whatever the 1940s equivalent of that was so to get him to go out and fight, as Mrs. Thatcher did at the time of the Falklands crisis, you've got to start the propaganda machinery rolling, and the propaganda flywheel begins to spin. And this, hold on, I I already really like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> Everybody back in the day talked awesome. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. I hate the way we talk now. It's so like pulled back. Like there's less energy to how we talk compared to how they talked and dealt with things back then. Yeah, we're well, like we we've just been. It's literally it's uh it's like we've we're talking like a population that's been just like fluoridated for our whole lives. Yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Propaganda flywheel is given more and more impetus as the war gets bigger and the cost gets larger and you have to justify what you're doing. And the propaganda flywheel in World War II was set in motion by Winston Churchill, who was the world's greatest liar, and I use that in the sense of the utmost admiration. He was the world's, in fact, he himself said, the truth is so precious, it has to be protected in a bodyguard of lies. He said that to Mackenzie McKen- <laughs> King on September the 17th, 1944. If you go to your archives here in Ottawa, you'll find it in the Mackenzie King original diary. The truth is so precious. And so the lies are churned out. And the trouble is that when the war ends, nobody has an interest in putting his hand on that flywheel and stopping it. So the wheel continues to spin and is still spinning now of its own momentum 40 or 50 years later. And the same old lies are being turned out because who can profit from putting his hand on that flywheel and stopping it? One thing is quite certain, you'll get burnt if you do. And so on balance, you don't. Ah, I like that. That analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The flywheel of lies spinning. And if you put your hand (laughs) to stop it, you're going to get burned. And it's so true. There's no profit for doing it. So people just go, oh, yeah, sure. That's what happened. The end. I mean, to to fill in the blank or uh, the the implication is that there are still World War II, you know, wartime lies propaganda that's circulating today. What do you think he's referring to? Uh, The fact that. The fact that they make well, Hitler I mean, I'm out to be about specific items like, oh, of course, there's going to be, you know, some uh, crazy nationalism and uh, d- d- demonizing of your enemies during a war. But like, you know, some specific events or uh, people that were lied about. Yeah, it, like, I think he he's referring to the fact that it was the good guys versus like Emperor Palpatine and his evil soldiers of like occultist scientists, you know, like that part might be a little bit overblown. Like it's not reality. It's just kind of a storybook that we just all act like it's true to the point where you can't have the same mustache as him. 
Like that's how that's how big we blew it up. Is that the guy's mustache is is forbidden because of how evil it is. Like just imagine if they didn't like paste Hitler's face all over the news and newspapers and popular media for the last uh, eighty years. <laughs> That'd be funny if like you didn't even know that that was a Hitler mustache. Yeah, yeah, no. If that if you could just have that mustache, I honestly I did that dumb yeah. video on TikTok of me and the Hitler mustache, and I felt like I was kind of rocking it. I kind of want that style to come back. I, 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 I think I could pull it off. <laughs> uh, no, no, you couldn't. It didn't look that good. Uh, I'm gonna try. <laughs> me and Michael Jordan are the only two people who have tried to pull it off in the 20th century and <laughs> 21st century. In public, you mean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's just like a setup of like just with Winston Churchill. Um, just a quote from him about that. Just and I thought it was a good metaphor. That's the reason I wanted to play that. And uh, how like he's right. You have to turn out a certain amount of propaganda because you can't get people to fight unless they think they're fighting the evil empire. And now you have this evil empire lie out there. What? Who the fuck wants to try to pull back on that and be like, well, they weren't evil. We just had to say that to get you to kill them and get your kids killed. No one's going to come well out and say that. that ends well. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, part two of this guy. This is where he talks about uh, nerve gas or, you know, just poisonous gases in general and, like, war crimes from the Geneva Con- Convention. Or was it Geneva? What's the one after World War One? Sorry, sorry. What, what's the one after World War One that they signed for like war crimes? Was that Geneva, or was that after World War Two? I can't remember. I think it was after World War Two because I remember like the Nuremberg. The whole thing was uh, they couldn't prosecute on the Germans crimes. on war crimes that weren't crimes before the war started. <laughs> so they're like retroact. They they made they made it illegal and then charged it with those charged them with those crimes, which is so I guess of Versailles, like a, whatever they agreed to at Versailles. Yeah. Okay talks about that but anyways go ahead i want you to think very seriously over this question of poison gas it's absurd to consider morality because of course the whole argument had been about whether we're going to be allowed whether we're going to allow ourselves to commit a war crime or not it's absurd to consider morality on this topic when everybody used it in the last war without a word of complaint from the moralists or the church on the other hand in the last war the bombing of open cities was regarded as forbidden now everybody does it as a matter of course It's simply a question of fashion changing as she does between long and short skirts for women. I don't think you want to hear that quoted in your newspapers over here. So that was a quote from Winston Churchill. That was Winston Churchill talking about it, how it's like, oh, it's a war crime today, but it's more like a fat. It's almost like a fashion between short and long skirts. Like, oh, we can do this thing, but not this thing. You know, so he he kind of just dismissed the use of poison gases as like a war crime is being dumb. Like he was just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's use them. Well, I'm sure someone that did live through world war one would kind of have that opinion. I mean, the Germans did come out like the fucking pussies that they are and said that the Americans were committing war crimes against the Germans by using a pump shotgun to clear trenches. They're like, no, that's unfair. You can't do that. You're winning. (laughs) (laughs) So I can, I I kind of get what he's he's saying. (laughs) They're like, Oh, no, no, I, I like get it. You are war. killing people. Yeah, it, it, they're put in place so you don't like gas entire cities. You know, yeah, that, that yeah, type yeah. of thing. But uh, we can keep going. I just wanted it, it wasn't clear that that was Churchill. He was quoting at that point. Okay. 
That quoted in your newspapers over here when we always regard with fond admiration and nostalgia the, the record of Winston Churchill. I want a cold-blooded calculation made as to how it would pay us to use poison gas. I only mention this example because it gives us a direct yardstick with which to compare Hitler and Churchill. On other matters, of course, you have no yardstick because they're two completely different worlds and mentalities. But on this particular one, poison gas, you've got one yardstick. And I can tell you, you can take it from me, I've read the entire German documentation for ten years. All the way through the German files, Adolf Hitler has flatly and emphatically forbidden and embargoed anywhere the use of poison gas. It's, it's there, the actual document signed by Hitler, the references in the files of the German high command, the verbatim references by him and the shorthand records of his meetings, the shorthand records of meetings in the German air ministry, the Führer has absolutely forbidden the use of poison gas, the enemy is to use it first and then we will retaliate with ours. The reason being, the reason that makes this yardstick so extraordinary is that if Churchill had done what he was threatening and dropped the poison gas on German cities, the Germans would have won the war because the Germans had not just poison gases like mustard, the Germans had nerve gases. At this time, in 1944, they already had stockpiles of 30,000 tons of nerve gases. Sarin and Taboon, the famous nerve gases being used even now by the Russians in Afghanistan and in Iraq and in Angola and elsewhere where the Russian troops are fighting. The nerve gases, Sarin and Taboon, Hitler already had stockpiles of 30,000 tons and nobody found out till the war was over. Which is just as well because if Hitler had ever used it in Normandy, fighting the Allied, the American, the French, the British troops in Normandy, the Canadians as well, it would have been the end of the bridgehead because we didn't have a gas mask. We had no gas mask which would have stopped the German nerve gases. It would have been the end of the bridgehead. And isn't it strange that Adolf Hitler, the devil incarnate, had the means whereby he could have secured an immediate strategic advantage which would have turned the war because he would have pulled the nine or ten panzer divisions out of Normandy and sent them to the Russian front and with those high-grade divisions he would have wiped the floor with the Russians and ended the war by Christmas 1944. But he had put his name on a piece of paper, the Geneva Gas Protocol, saying that he would never use gas first because it would be a war crime. I want you to think very seriously. Okay, good. Oh, shit. So, so <laughs> it was the Geneva Convention. That was after World War One. then for that. Okay. Because he said it was on the Geneva Gas Protocol, and he upheld it the whole time. He was also wounded in World War One from gas, and he fucking hated it. He yeah. thought it was bullshit. So... <laughs> He kind of had that, like, warrior code of honor a little bit with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not actual combat. But he's like, we'll only use it if they use it first. That's fucking wild. So it didn't make legitimate sense for him to be uh, authorizing this. And so here are the two options. The, the people running the camp either came up with that method themselves and didn't tell anyone and it wasn't purview to him or it just didn't happen. Right. Yeah. There were concentration camp prisoners considered, um, prisoners of war or like, well, did they have any sort of status, uh, related to the war or, I mean, there, there was, uh, you know, some level of dehumanizing and not treating like people, but I, I don't know what the, what purview that might fall under. Well, no, he was more. We're talking about like bombing cities with nerve yeah, gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but like, like Bob was mentioning with regards to um, gas death chambers. camp concentration camp gas chambers, does that fit under any of these? Uh, you know, how how would that be categorized? I don't, I don't um, think you're allowed to just Hitler execute regime. prisoners of war. No, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Um, but there's no kill order. They, they, you know, we talked yeah. about that ad nauseum. It's just that. The, the way that these camps are set up and 
and just the pictures and the and the constant stories of like maternity wards and they would have like a soccer field and the whole story behind the holocaust is so goddamn absurd it's it's like pointless to go over that again so like i wasn't even i honestly i didn't even consider the holocaust when we were talking about the nerve gases so hilariously (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna make a joke about hitler never using gas well then the clip actually played okay um (laughs) no that, that is interesting though that he you know, uh, from a combat point of view, by breaking this international law, um, feasibly could have won uh, the war pretty, or you know, yeah, won the war pretty easily. There. Or had an advantage, gotten him yeah, advantage, at least some yeah. kind of advantage. But I don't necessarily agree with David Irving here about he would have just won the war because I don't think yeah, implementing yeah. or like distributing the nerve gas to the point of you just instantly win is very feasible, but. I get his point. He had a he had something that could have given him a strategic advantage that he didn't use, based on a moral code. Um, whereas Churchill's quoted as saying, "Let me know if if it makes sense for us to use poisonous gases, we'll fucking use them because I I don't care about any of that shit." Like, there's a stark difference between the mentalities of the two people. Mm-hmm. No, I agree definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite clip, and this will be the last one, uh, talking about the city bombings and peace offers that Hitler made to England repeatedly. About such rubbish and nonsense and heresy, getting out of the war in June 1940 after Britain's streets were f- a, a, a sea of flames, after you were fighting the devil incarnate, you had to do it. There was no choice. The British Empire was at stake. Well, the answer is Britain's streets weren't a sea of flames. Hitler had, in fact, flatly forbidden any kind of air raids on Britain. There were no bombing raids on British towns. London was completely embargoed until the summer of 1940. But of course, history now is viewed differently through the lenses of the television media of the world. Not one bomb fell on a British town, civilian target, until August 1940, until in fact, September the 6th, 1940, when the first air raids took place on London in retaliation for eight raids by Churchill on Berlin. That is the first truth. The second truth, the ugliest truth of all is, as we find in the archives when we read them, that nowhere is there the slightest evidence that Adolf Hitler threatened Britain or the British Empire. Quite the contrary. He made a peace offer to the British in June 1940. Again in July, he had been hinting at it ever since the 1930s, and he repeated this peace offer right through until 1941-1942. Rudolf Hess, who flew to Scotland in 1941, brought the peace offer in his pocket, which is why Hess is to this day still in prison, 92 years old in Spandau, incommunicado, 25 years in solitary confinement. Not allowed to speak to anybody, allowed a visit once a month from his son to talk about family matters, forbidden to talk about politics, because Hess knows the truth about the peace offer which we, we turned down in 1940. The peace offer to the British Empire, which Hitler made in June 1940, was as follows. I will withdraw all German forces from everywhere in Europe, except for the provinces which had always been German and which had been taken away from Germany at the end of the First World War. He didn't want any part of Poland or Czechoslovakia or Norway or France, except what had always been German. It was the great German dream. And as for France and Britain, although we had damaged Germany a great deal with our declaration of war and the hostilities since then, he offered to the British in this peace offer, which is in the British files, if you go to the archives now, and it's in the German files, of course, he offered to the British the following terms. I have the greatest admiration for Britain and the British Empire. I want the British Empire to survive in perpetuity and grow larger and larger. If the British Empire should at any time in my lifetime, Hitler's lifetime, be, be threatened 
by any outside force, including the Japanese, the Russians, the Soviet Union, who were Hitler's own allies, I guarantee that I will provide to the British whatever forces they may ask for to help to throw these aggressors out of the British Empire. That man was our enemy. Wait, what's he talking about the Russians being Hitler's allies in 1940? Yeah, I didn't uh, really follow that part. You mean the Italians? He probably mi- he probably misspoke there. He meant the. Italians, he didn't just yeah. say Russians. He said the Russians. No, yeah, Federate, he said Soviet. Yeah. He said or he said oh, yeah. the no, USSR. But he, he, or so. But he but he initially said he'll even fight the Russians on their behalf. Well, but I think he meant the Italians. I think you're correct. Okay, I, I'm just trying to make sure I wasn't like missing a a big element of history in the the World War Two. Um, oh, whatever. We wait. Hold on. What, what was that guy's name that they threw in solitary confinement because he had the um, Rudolph? He had the S. P- he had the peace offering. I had no idea about that. What the fuck? You're in, you're in prison and you're not allowed to talk to your family about politics, about what you were told to do. That's that's absolutely insane. Oh my and then god! And the peace offering. That, yeah, go on, Josh. The, the peace offering seems, um, yeah, you know, at least from from that clip, that depiction, not too unreasonable. Like at first, the phrasing sounds like a, a Soviet Union sort of thing, where it's, oh yeah, uh, we won't, we'll give up any lands or take our troops out of anywhere that don't belong to us. But all of Eastern Europe technically belongs to us, right? But it sounds like that wasn't even the case for this situation. By the way, you didn't misspeak there. The, Russia and Germany didn't start fighting until 1941. Huh? What? Interesting. So he, at the he said what he said at the time they were his ally. Wait, then how did Russia become an ally? Ally, whatever. Oh, this is the, look up on my own time. Okay, <laughs> Bob, that was the perfect uh, time to clip uh, to put that Marty clip. Oh, sorry. The Jews. How- <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to think of my own, but <laughs> I should have just gone to the board. <laughs> <laughs> how did Russia the get bit. involved in that? <laughs> <laughs> It's always the bit. <laughs> so yeah, he basically Hitler's peace term was: we'll pull out of everything that was that isn't Germany. We'll withdraw all troops from everywhere in Europe that wasn't Germany before Bef- World War One. Yeah, and we'll also d- make a defensive pact with you. In my lifetime, we will full force attack anyone that uh, that is an aggressor towards the British Empire, and. For some reason, that was unacceptable to them because, and which is why, when you have terms like that coming, but you need to go fight them because they're making their own currency that's not part of the world banking system. Um, threatening your democracy. I, I couldn't have phrased it better myself. Yeah. You have, <laughs> that's why you have to make him be out, out to be like the evil empire because you're the bad guys. In that case, you're the one starting the war. Like Winston Churchill went out of his way to make sure that World War II happened throughout the entire 30s. It's kind of absurd. I just want, I'm going to, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's really interesting too, because it looks like Hitler learned from Napoleon's mistakes where one of the big elements of Napoleon's downfall was like that he was effectively a conqueror and expanded outside of his, outside of his borders. And it sounds like Hitler was trying to avoid that, but it wasn't enough. 
in the fight against England. Yeah, he didn't want to invade in the first place. Like he didn't want like that he was responding to aggressions against German people in Poland. That's how the initial German invasion of Poland started. And then once that happened and he wiped the floor with them instantly because they were riding literally cavalry there they had cavalry charging panzer tanks. It was very one-sided. Um so then it's after brutal. that, he told the British Empire, he told Churchill, like, hey, this is our terms. We will literally withdraw from everything, and we just want to be Germany, and everyone leave us the fuck alone. And that was very unacceptable to people that were part of the global banking system. That The entire war is just based on the fact that Germany was starting their own economy and went from the poorest nation in Europe, like a joke nation, to by far the strongest nation in Europe, and it wasn't even close to the point where they almost won a war against the world. Do we know what would have happened with uh, Italy or Japan if the the peace treaty had been accepted? Because it sounds like Germany was just trying to get out of all the war involvement altogether. Well, I do know that Japan didn't really want anything to do with the United Kingdom. Uh, I think their whole like goal of the situation was to take a bunch of land from uh, China, like Korea, basically. Take yeah, over, that like, tracks. The, yeah. Uh, because I know like they had <clears throat> before they attacked the United States, they had already like decimated China, like taken a, a lot of land and killed like a fuck ton of people. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I don't know all of Japan's motivations and I haven't like looked into it enough other than like my knowledge on what Japan's motivations were is what I learned in history in 10th grade, which is nothing. They didn't give any explanation. Yeah, they they came out one day. They just attacked us out of pure rage and cold blooded determination to kill. Yep, and and you you knew that they were literal psychopaths that were just, just kamikazing yeah. planes. Kamikazes you learned all about. Yeah, they yeah. just crashed planes in a boats like fucking missiles. <laughs> yeah, really? Like, it's just you know, it's an Eastern cultural thing: collectivism versus individualism. It was it was bound to happen. And then yeah, for exactly. No, for literally no reason whatsoever, Pearl Harbor happened. <laughs> Bob, this isn't that episode. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We'll get to it. I'm trying to get conspiratorial <laughs> here. So I'll okay. I want to just finish up on um some some quotes here from both of these prestigious leaders. Okay, let's do it. So are we playing that game again? <laughs> which one of these guys sounds? Like, no, no. I'll, I'll let you know who you know. You, it's pretty easy to tell who's who based on these quotes. But uh, which one sounds like the warmonger to you? Here's a uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, saying you must you must understand that this war is not against Hitler or national socialism but against the strength of the German people which is to be smashed once and for all regardless of whether it is in the hands of Hitler or a Jesuit priest <laughs> what fuck the Jesuits too why do you have oh, to yeah. bring up Jesuits what yeah because they're be the most the opposite trusted of the Germans. it would be the the perfectly uncorrupt uh the leader yeah, yeah, the, uh, you know the good guys. Holy Germany fuck, is becoming too strong. We must crush her. That's him in 1936, well before World War II. 
And that was him talking to Robert E. Wood in 36. Uh, another one. Germany's unforgivable crime before the Second World War was her attempt to extricate her economic power <laughs> from the world's trading system and to create her own exchange mechanism, which would deny world finance its opportunity to profit. The that Jews. was him speaking. Yeah. Him speaking to Lord Robert Both or Boothby. Um, and that was published in a book called Propaganda in the Next War, originally published in 1938. So I don't know what year he quoted it, but it was quoted in and published in 38. Um, uh, I do not want suggestions as to how we can disable the economy and the machinery of war. What I want are suggestions as to how we can roast the German refugees on their <laughs> escape from Breslau. Yeah, it's it's an Christ. obvious self defense situation. The, the the Great Britain was threatened by these uh, German conquerors, and they acted with uh, proportional, due, <laughs> purely reactive <laughs> self defense. The same self defense position as Israel. <laughs> I, I mean, it was Palestine at the time, but yes. Yeah. Here's a quote from him in 1921. Um. So way before Hitler was anybody, you know, anybody. Six million. That's the quote. I do not (laughs) understand this squeamishness about the use of gas. I am strongly in favor of using gases against uncivilized tribes. (laughs) And that was when he was the colonial secretary at the time. And he was referring to the Kurds. And that was in an official communication. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is Winston Churchill behind the Kurdish genocide? One of the Kurdish genocides? Dude, Winston Churchill Apparently. is the villain that he he's the actual villain <laughs> that CNN wanted you to believe that Trump was. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Like, what the fuck is this guy? He's just like unabashedly like, yeah, we'll fucking gas those assholes. Fuck those guys. <laughs> okay, now you want to hear some quotes from a guy who's literally Hitler? <laughs> I'm trying to think. If Churchill, if Churchill had survived, you know, it been been in power in the the you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and all that involvement in the Middle East. Man, what a time that would have been. New new segment for the show. Exactly the kind of shit they're probably talking about. Anyway. They had, um, was Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, the, in the the 80s, 80s and the 90s, the prime minister. She she did pretty much the same stuff. Sorry, go on. (laughs) God damn it, Josh. I hate you. All right. Quotes from literally Hitler. The blood of every single Englishman is too valuable to shed. Our two peoples belong together racially and traditionally. That is and always has been my aim, even if our generals can't grasp it. (laughs) So I think this is a new bit. You bring in like really nice, uh, like diplomacy from Hitler and be like quotes from literally Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was like, well, that was quite reassuring. Yeah, though they contrast them against some hero. Like, get some Gandhi quotes for next week. <laughs> Gandhi from a Civ game or something. <laughs> um, this was a quote from Swedish explorer Sven Hayden. Hitler felt he had repeatedly extended the hand of peace and friendship to the British, and each time they had blacked his eye in reply. Ooh. Uh, German general. Uh, Speaking of Hitler's order to halt combat with British troops fleeing Dunkirk, quoted uh, 
in a book called The Other Side of the Hill by Sir Basil Littlehart in 1948. He, Hitler, then astonished us by speaking with admiration of the British Empire, of the necessity for its existence, and of the civilization that British had brought into the world. He remarked with a shrug of his shoulders that the creation of its empire had been achieved by means that were often harsh, but where is the planning? There are shavings flying. He compared the British Empire with the Catholic Church, saying they were both essential elements of stability in the world. He said that all he wanted from Britain was that she should acknowledge Germany's position on the continent. The return of Germany's colonies would be desirable, but not essential, and he would even offer to support Britain with troops if she should be involved with difficulties anywhere. I mean, what? what is this? I had no idea that he had such admiration for the British. Well, because he was so, like, pro-Germany to the point where, like, Britain was settled by a fuck ton of Germans, you know, back in, like, yeah. 500 AD, oh, yeah. you know? Um, so that's why he's, like, where he felt like they were, like, connected. Even though they're separate, they're, like, they have, like, a just shared connection. But Basically, um, like, cousins, like, cultural cousins. Yeah, exactly. Or ethnic cousins, that, yeah. And that's how he felt about it. That's fucking, that's fucking wild. Holy shit. So yeah, this big fat gambling douchebag who's paying wine merchants until he has to get uh, money that falls from the sky with no strings attached and just always happens to do everything that the uh, Zionist banking and, you know, banking leaders of the world want him to do. Uh, He was the good guy. (laughs) Um, Just so you guys all know, he was a hero. Uh, all right so do you have a gun to your head um scenario okay i i want to i'll all right i'll gun to your head i'm more interested what josh says about this gun to your head josh if you had to pick who is morally in the right more like you have to pick who's the good guy and the bad guy even if you do like a percentage is it churchill or hitler in the year 1940 specifically 1945 <laughs> you're gonna wiggle your way out of this one <laughs> 1945 oh Ooh. how about june 1940 <laughs> maybe july 1940 is a bit clearer yeah maybe maybe july 1940 is a bit clearer but go to 1945 man um, I I am no World War II historian, so I'm sure there's uh, some information or some context missing. But I, I I feel my conventional education, uh, history education, gut feeling uh, puts together uh you know those those extra five years as a black stain on Hitler's reputation. I got to say that uh, in 1945, <laughs> Churchill might have been looking slightly better and Hitler might have gone off the deep end. Oh, yeah? He went off the deep end? That's what happened? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> he just went crazy for no reason at all. Well, I mean, just, well, it's, you know, some desperation during the war. It, it, it happens to the best of us. Um, I don't believe what I'm saying. <laughs> it, 
it's not even the right way to put it, to be honest, because they're like they're both politicians. One's literally a dictator. Yeah. I, I really don't think that any of them are the good guy. But like, what's a better one for Bob here? For I, I don't. Well, here's the thing. I don't think we need to be recklessly throwing our weight behind Hitler for like any reason whatsoever. But what I would say is that I, I would put money on my like I would risk my life betting against the official narrative. Oh yeah, that's like, like the safest. That's bet really what mind. it is. It, it it always happens that it always makes me. I always look like I'm backing the bad guys, yeah. like all the yeah. time. Because like I'm not like be, super I don't know. pro Hitler. Yeah, yeah I'm not answer, like super pro Hitler. But I the the narrative has been so one sided that I'm like really interested in hearing the other side and telling the story from the other side now. Yeah, that it's like I, I'm sure the truth is somewhere's in the middle there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's just hearing that over and over, and then you find out, like, like holy shit, like Churchill is so fucking unlikable. It's insane. Um. So yeah, it's just like, have you ever heard anything but good things about Hitler or Churchill your Churchill. whole life? Uh, no, that, that's yeah. it. Like, he's just Bob, constantly you, you go good shit about Churchill. Yeah constant like constant stream of it they even they just made a documentary or like a, a not a documentary a movie about him with them kind of thing you guys see that at all i just know my like my boomer parents no. saw it and they absolutely loved it they loved it they they love churchill they love everything about him <laughs> yeah so because of I, how he's presented to us that's yeah. it's not none of it's based in reality yeah it's like, yeah, Churchill and old dead legs FDR uh, fucking saved the world. Like, that's how it's presented to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see the official story and what people actually are saying, like, 30 years from now about politics from, like, 10 years ago, you know? You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. the 2016 when election, old. when we're old and we're talking about it, and it's like... I, I, it's going to be fucking wild to interpret what these people like what they remember about the whole thing. You know what I mean? How it's remembered like, in history. Yeah. It's been a particularly, uh, you know, particular upheaval of politics the last five, six, seven years. But, um, just for comparison, what are people saying about, uh, W Bush and Clinton now? They're still praising him, them, both of them. I mean, Clinton was shamed out of office. And they're still like, oh, my God, he's like the greatest thing ever. Hillary's the greatest thing ever. Uh, Bush, like he, as far as PR is concerned, he stayed out of the limelight so much that people like they just don't have a reason to get aggravated toward him. And, and no, that, now he's one of those old guys who's like, yeah. oh, I look, I'm hanging out with this Democratic politician reaching across party lines. Ah, I don't yeah. I don't have to care about this anymore because I'm above all that. <laughs> Dude, once you're one decade away from their presidency, then it, everyone just is like, oh, he did the best he could with the it's like he was literally <laughs> a warmongering fucking piece of shit, like secret society groomed like psychopath, you know, yeah. it, and and it's going to be remembered as well. He really got us through those hard times of nine eleven. Like there were some mistakes not, made along the way, but you know, every everyone was in support of the war back then. Dude, we're gonna have grandkids that have like a history book when they come home, and they're gonna act like coronavirus was the Spanish flu, and they're gonna have these absurd numbers of how many people it killed, 
and how it gripped the world in fear and the only thing that saved us was a fucking vaccine like that's gonna be in history books dude i can't wait for the artistic retelling and musical of the january 6th insurrection yo <laughs> oh god like <laughs> it's like hamilton it's just all yeah. black guys like singing about january 6th <laughs> I do want to see black guy Trump, though, with like a fucking orange wig on. <laughs> they rapping about January 6th. About, rapping about have, taking over the Capitol. They won't even have the decency to like picture Ashley Babbitt in it at all. They'll, they'll just omit her completely. I, dude. Uh, she, like, she'll, she'll play like she'll live long enough to play one of the chorus roles. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even kidding. I heard no mention from it to the point where I'm like, does everyone recognize that that was just like fake? Like, like you never hear them talk about Ashley Babbitt. It never. Uh, there, gets there was up. some. There was something a while after about. Um, There's like an interview with the 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 officer who shot her, I think. And there was uh, there was something it wasn't else. An officer. It was like it wasn't it was whoever he was. Yeah, it was Capitol Police. And, yeah, that's oh, what I mean. He yeah, was like yeah. security at Capitol at the Capitol, but I didn't know he was technically police, federal agent. I thought he was. Yeah. Okay, Good but um, you. like there was there was some stuff that had come out a while back, like you know, summer fall last year. But yeah, they um, did an interview. They praise him as a hero. I'm surprised he hasn't been suicided. He probably is, and no one just no one cared enough to follow it. <laughs> He's probably yeah, probably not even like, the same guy. There was yeah. literally like one. Oh, you saw yeah. like an old black guy's like side of his head and then his arm sticking out and just boom and then like the fakest fucking play of you've ever seen about a girl getting shot and none of it was real like it yeah that's that's the one case where i'll stand by it was fake like for a shooting it's so <laughs> that in vegas are in church for uh christ church are the three for me that are like i would stake all everything i have on on those being fake Christchurch not so much, but the the Hollywood or the Vegas one is fucking wild too. I remember like last week I I found information from the Vegas shooting, and I was like, that can't be real. Like that cannot actually be real. <laughs> the whole scenario is preposterous. Like yeah, we, nothing we need about to do an it. Episode makes on sense. that, yeah, it should, it, that that would be a lot of fun. That's a we very need to interesting do an episode on that. Yeah, I'm in the middle of writing a song about that guy. Yes. <laughs> Tall tale. Yeah, hell yeah. It's going to be great. Very nice. Well, if you guys okay. haven't been keeping up with the current news topics, uh, we have learned the CIA is secretly spying on unwitting Americans. Did you guys wow. know this? Oh, secretly now, too. I thought they were secretly. just publicly doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was it. So this not just the out in the open spying on Americans. It's the now it's this is the real oh, man. super There's another drone behind on. that drone. <laughs> Whoa, man. God damn. There's a second it's a scary agency. shit. Uh, we got two competing agencies trying to get our data. Uh, but Dude, that's NSA, not, get out of the way. Can't get a clear picture. Sorry, go on. That's not the real news story about the about the CIA that I want to be talking about today. Uh, oh, great. A new one. This looks fun. <laughs> this one's even better. Uh, the CIA funded experiments on Danish orphans for decades. <laughs> what, what, what kind of experiments? Uh, they, they were studying without anyone's knowledge. Uh, not even the... 
not even the scientists doing the study knew that they were doing this for the CIA, but they were studying um, progressions of schizophrenia in I, just people, basically. And they got like a sample. And did, did, have like, we, have we, go, since uh, th- through the benefits of this research, been able to develop a magical pill cure to schizophrenia? Uh, we actually, <laughs> funny enough that you say that, we, uh, there are. There is a new medication for schizophrenia. There is a pill that you can oh, take. Oh, thank God. If you're schizophrenic now. What are you, you uh, Are you positive that this wasn't a study on if whether or not you can successfully trick everybody into thinking a kid has schizophrenia after you've, like, raped him multiple times at the bottom of, like, Comet Ping Pong? <laughs> 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 I think that's really the study. Oh, yeah, no, he's schizophrenic. He th- he thinks he's a, a Danish kid and a rape victim. It's crazy. They all think that. It's a weird thing schizophrenia. Uh, well, no, I, it wasn't the guy that, that found out about it. Uh, he found out about it in a kind of, like, a roundabout way because uh, he heard about... Uh, like these experiments that the CIA was doing about, you know, people unwittingly. And he noticed that when he went up to get uh, like checkups, that his medical information was being sent to a, like a federal laboratory without anyone's knowledge of this. Like it was just taking place and the nurse told him about it and she didn't know what it was. He didn't either. And he started researching this. And so apparently they took like a pool of like 300 kids um, and he was in the pool that had no former schizophrenia, like in his family. Uh, and but is he schizophrenic? No, 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 no. He's not schizophrenic. Like the um, control group. He was the control group, basically. And okay. but okay. the mechanism set into place was that, like, through what was it? The Denmark government, the the lab, and the and the guy that was conducting the lab just. Like he had like, you you know, like when you get like God powers and like a program, you can just do whatever you want. Like he was just like, yeah, you can secretly send me all the all, all the data from these specific patients that you want. No one else knows about it. We're just going to conduct this research. And I don't even know who I'm doing this research for. That's kind of crazy, though. If you think <laughs> that probably guy, they just wanted to see if they could make this guy become schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, but that's that's the whole situation with it, though, is that no one knew the the full scope of the experiment itself, which begs the question: What the fuck were they doing? Do we have to just trust them when they conduct these experiments? They of we already not. caught them giving syphilis to people, like, and all of a sudden, this is another just, one where it's like, oh well, that was that was uh, forty years ago. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. This is, it's always 40 years ago. Oh, 40 years ago they were doing it. So now all the shit from the 80s is going to start coming out. And they're like, well, that was 40 years ago. And then in 2030, it'll be all the 90s shit they were doing. Oh, that was 40 years ago. It's like, are you all this retarded? <laughs> so so this is actually After four crazy times, you'd think. On, on his route to, to finding out what was actually going on, uh, he identified 36 boxes of material stored in the basement of uh, of the psych center in, at Copenhagen. He asked uh, some guy, a psychiatrist, he interviewed for his documentary series to assist him. But when the center learned of his request, it began shredding the documents on the alleged basis it was unable to store research papers after the project's conclusion. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
what? The Danish government laboratory is like, uh, this guy's finding all these documents that they literally didn't care about up until he, him finding them and being like, oh, you guys are doing studies for like the CIA. And they're like, no, we're not. And they just start fucking burning it. <laughs> so, so they took a bunch of uh, children and throughout their lives, they documented the progression of schizophrenia for unknown purposes and deleted all records of this happening is do i have this straight do they yeah. do they like induce additional or do they try to aggravate um or further progress the schizophrenia than you know would would naturally occur we have no idea we have there's no way we to don't know. know the purpose of the study we don't know who conducted the study <laughs> not anymore at least and it's funny too because what was it Apparently, in 1963, the CIA director came out and he said, uh, he opaquely noted that in certain cases, academics employed under the auspices auspices may be aware of our interest in research programs. So whether they're aware or not, it doesn't really matter about what they're doing with the, the research interest or not. So, you know, when you look through like, government grants and shit like that and you see in like the last uh like congressional bill or like the budget bill that they just passed like oh this is you know five hundred thousand dollars to figure out why uh why a certain group of people like fart more than another certain group of people like that's just like black budget retard funding for like these nonchalant just like academics just conducting experiments on people like, that's obviously not what they're doing. And the CIA is hiding literally everything about it. So, I, I feel like this is one of their special uh, superpower, find superpower programs. One of those retarded things. Like, what was it? Project Stargate? Was that the remote viewing thing? Where they, they had their, like, the little special core of uh, the people who could see across the world? But what, uh, what have... I, I you know what I'm talking vaguely, about? Are you talking about, like, the... Not the impasse, but the, what do they call it? Like ESR or ESG or something? Maybe. Um, no, ESG is the credit thing. or the. But, um, oh. No, but uh, yeah, I, I know they, they did something with that. But I, I'm imagining that there's some, some correlation or like in the schizophrenic population or something. Or that might be like a, an indication of some superpower that the CIA thinks exists and uh, that they're just... The, screening these people to to join their their special team i I don't know i i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't even be surprised if they're like just like i think that scenario of like the illuminati was real but they're all dead and all this is just going in perpetuity for no reason just because people like think that the illuminati is controlling everything dude i wouldn't (laughs) even be surprised if the cia isn't doing any of this they just collect a shit ton of money and then they put out stories of like weird experiments that they're doing. Like, oh yeah, we got a Stargate and uh MK Ultra and uh we yeah, we secretly do everything. So all of you should be gripped in fear at all times, and really it's like ten guys that are glorified security guards that are just there to launder money for people. Like I, I would not be surprised if that just to keep it as under budget as possible. Like who's paying all of these operatives? You know what I mean? Like I said, at some point, I wonder if, if 50 years ago, they cut the CIA down to like bare bones, but just pretended they didn't. So they could fill launder more money. And they, all they do is pretend the CIA is doing a bunch of crazy shit that they're not doing at all. 
they just hire a bunch of Indian bots to propagate <laughs> random like yeah. smears and lies. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, I, like, there's if, like if I found out that was what the CIA was now, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised at all. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, uh, no, there's much more insidious intent in that. Like they're definitely, they're like, you need to print more fake money for us because we have way more operatives. We need to, to spread around, you know, it's like, we need Everyone on the dole. We need everyone in on this. Because, uh, you know, like the average American that's so brainwashed uh, by the propaganda in the media and also like the fluoride in the water. Like if, if a CIA agent comes up to you and is like, I need your help for national security. Like every fucking boomer <laughs> that you've ever known in your life would be like, fuck yeah, America. Like I'll do it. Yeah, let's go, brother. To- totally. But I, I swear to God, all Are everybody me? that's... <laughs> everybody that's in the cia okay just think of them as a glorified security guard that they have a cool titled job and they're like yeah i'm in the cia and even the people in the cia those guys think that there's a bunch of secret agents doing really super secret fucking la- like all the underground labs where they're fucking doing weird shit and there's like trying to do- yeah they're just trying to do or like, just like regular offices and not labs <laughs> Yeah, they're all they're all empty. Like I, they're all abandoned, and it's just a glorified police force that gets sunglasses and those blue jackets that say CIA. Like, and it's just that. And like, it could be. It literally could be. No, because the the people that love wearing those fucking windbreaker jackets, those those blue federal jackets, they love fucking shit up. Like they'll they'll fabricate any reason to get a warrant and to. Kick your door down and kill your dog <laughs> and shoot yeah, your family. They totally. love that. And shit. they're just the glorified police people. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're just police and they think that they're secret agents that are above them that don't even exist. Whoa, like whoa, that, wait, I, wait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wait a second. If the CIA, the you know, Central Intelligence Agency for Foreign Intelligence didn't exist, then how would we be getting such good intelligence about the looming Russia-Ukraine conflict. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great... I, I like seeing the TikToks from, like, Russian people. They're like, there is no war. The Ukraine-Russia... <laughs> there's nothing happening. It's been happening for two years. Uh, a couple conflicts once in a while. And they're just basically, like... They, they're like, this is all just Western propaganda. You know, I mean, they're like, they're literally saying like this is a propaganda thing. There's nothing at different happening right now. I I love it that that's that's what Putin's saying too, and I'm so excited for there just to be nothing happening in the end, and just to be <laughs> the, the ultimate anticlimax. <laughs> you could check like the state of war in in Ukraine and Russia just by like logging on to fucking like a cam website and looking at all of like the Ukrainian and Russian like cam models, like currently streaming. It's like, Oh, are they on? Yeah. Okay. We're not at war right now. Like <laughs> this bitch is raped or pillaged. This bitch is bouncing her titties around in, in Kiev. Uh, they're definitely not bombing the place. <laughs> Peak democracy. No Russians here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We have a really important scientist discovery though, that we have to get to. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You need to know what science discovered, you need to know today. Whether it's face or bones uncovered, it's definitely fake and gay. 
scientists have discovered that space flight is activating herpes in astronauts. <laughs> Go on. Space herpes. <laughs> Gee, let's see if we can get to the bottom of this one. <laughs> is this Earth herpes in space or is space herpes gotten from, you know, an asteroid? Josh, there's an obvious explanation to this. <laughs> is there now? The audience knows the obvious explanation to the space herpes. <laughs> Don Pettit's rashy fucking <laughs> thighs. Oh, no. Don Pettit brought his herpes up there and recycled it into the coffee maker the whole time. <laughs> herpes we'll make coffee. yesterday's herpes into today's herpes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything comes off their mouth. It's just all scabby and red. <laughs> like, have you guys been drinking, like, Don Pettit's herpes piss for, like, I don't know, three months straight? Just... <laughs> Oh, the, the poor astronauts. Like, Don, stop pissing in the coffee maker and change your skivvies. Oh, this is so good. But, uh, but what's the real story, Bob? <laughs> Jokes aside. Oh, God. Uh, the reason may be the same for viral or viral reactivation on Earth stress. Uh, so I, I think it's basically... Uh, like your immune system, it's like common knowledge that your immune system kind of degrades while you're up in space, stuff like that. Being in uh, mm -hmm. like a non-natural environment, atmosphere, gravity weight, and everything like that, your your, your immune system goes down, and uh, the herpes in flares. But so they already had the herpes virus uh, as part of their one hundred three one in three hundred eighty trillion in their bodies. That is what I'm understanding. Every astronaut up there has herpes. Oh, come on. So they're just saying that something about space makes herpes flare up? Well, no, it's it's just the immune system in general, that that's uh, um, being affected, that's being suppressed, uh, where it would happen the same on Earth in, in you know the similar situation. Yeah. 47 out of 89 astronauts on short space shuttle flights and 14 out of 23 on longer ISS missions shed herpes viruses in their saliva or urine sample or coffee samples okay only six astronauts developed any symptoms due to viral reactivation okay oh, so it's not all of them it's Ooh. it's not all of them but <laughs> it's, it's like everyone in the nasa office just sleeping around or like you know i guess the one person in the nasa office just sleeping around is what what's going on well they're all banging the one chick that's up there with them i okay <laughs> How do you think your hair stands up so straight? <laughs> uh, I, I just love the idea that the idea of like uh, astronauts going up in space up to the space station and then just like coming back like riddled in STDs. Like <laughs> it was the radiation guys. I swear uh, space does that to you. <laughs> fucking mongoloids. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. Um, I like how they're gaslighting us into just more asymptomatic bullshit, though. So six out of 83 showed symptoms, but everybody had herpes. Like, come on. They're, yeah. Just constantly with this. Now, now you have every disease, whether you have any symptoms or not. How cool is that, guys? You need every medicine because you have every disease that ever happened. But 
but you're just asymptomatic sometimes. So in order for you to be saved, you have to take all the medicine. That's basically the the official story for herpes right now, isn't it? Is that everyone basically has it? Is, is it? I, I think that's what the, the story has. Yeah, it's, but it's dormant in most people or some bullshit. Something retarded like that, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you, you probably definitely have herpes. It's like, well, my genitals and mouth don't scab over and itch and have gross. Which is the only part that matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like. Oh no, I took a test and it said I had herpes. It's like, what? Why? But it doesn't happen. Okay. But yeah, did you catch anything else from that? We need to clip that immediately. (laughs) Did you catch anything else from the article, Josh? Uh, I only skimmed it. Oh, well, no, I didn't get the article. I clicked on the other link that was the video. Oh, okay. That doesn't. herpes. Definitely fake and gay. (laughs) Space herpes. So That's stupid. I, yeah. Uh, Do you like that you've been ha- like getting to pay attention to space news? Because space news is something that you would maybe see in our oh, once the every best. year and a half. It's like, oh, gravitational waves. It's a big deal for some reason. That and like mm-hmm. a few you'll go like a few years without seeing anything other than maybe a couple like uh, cool uh, composite photos or whatever. Did you see you guys so see better. the story about Elon Musk most of his satellites for Starlink just crashed oh, because yeah. of a gravity wave. Wait, that was because of I, I forgot why. That's no. that was just because of a gravity wave, like a thing that Dude, they barely uh a, a gravity exists. storm. Gravity storm. What's a gravity storm? Uh, dude, or it was like a magnetic storm. Some gay space storm that you've never heard of before. Okay, okay that's okay. what knocked it out. But it didn't knock out any of our other satellites. It was very specifically only knocked out Starlink satellites, like forty out of forty-seven of them, or something. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, it, it was yeah, it was a lot. I think it was in the forties. But why didn't um, it affect any other satellites? I don't know. How does it? How does a space storm wipe out eighty five percent of our new cool satellites, but none of the other ones? It's very targeted to just um, Elon's ones for this news story. Aaron, the, these ones were these ones were constructed to be temporary satellites. So you know, in a couple of years, they yeah. would have been uh, <laughs> retired anyways. And brought down these were made the out of jute. They were jute satellites. <laughs> it's good insulation. I don't know why you're knocking it. <laughs> it's so fucking ah! I hate it. I hate that no one sees it too. Like they they just showed Russia just showed some picture of Earth of them floating above Earth. And it has like the whole earth practically. So it's like that, that classic shot of like, you probably see like a quarter to a third of the entire face of one side. Kind of like this one. But they have like one island. Yeah, like that shot kind of. But they have one island. I think it was like uh, Croatia. I, I don't remember which what island it was. But the island is Not taking island. up like this massive part. And Italy, it's whatever is off the tip of Italy there the hell island is that but anyways it doesn't matter and italy is like the whole sicily? fucking face of the earth the oh, what's the other one sicily no it's not sicily sicily's not an island i don't know it doesn't matter some dumb tiny island off the tip of italy was like it's probably australia then, so sized yeah is it was like australia sized on the planet and italy looked like it took up a quarter of the earth 
And it's like, okay, so this they're faking the ball on this photo. They're just taking a much closer picture. Yeah, like zoom in a little bit more, Bob, on that on that picture, just so I give you guys a visual. I know this isn't a visual for the people listening. They're like, imagine now that is what you see, this scale, but on like a whole face of the earth, and that's like takes up the whole thing. <laughs> and they have the ball, and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why are you faking the fucking ball if you're way closer? You know what I mean? Just show us the way closer shot. Yeah, that would look kind of... I, I understand what you're trying to represent there. Yeah, I think I've seen yeah. that image, actually. I think I know what image you're talking about. Like, it's a hundred times bigger than it should be if the yeah. if it's at the scale that they're showing of the curve of the Earth there. Yeah. And you're like, so you're faking this fucking curve so why should we believe you but people just don't care they're like oh they're still probably up there <laughs> okay no i do agree with you though the space news is some of the funniest shit ever because it's like <laughs> it's they're just so trying up they're just trying desperately to like keep in people's minds like like oh yeah like this is something you still need to care about this is this is like a hobby you should definitely get into like no no one's fucking interested it's dumb ever like they like to implant the idea. It's like, oh, every kid wants to be an astronaut. It's like, no, they don't. No, they do yeah, not. We need, we need the we need the telescopes and the the NASA Lego sets right next to the dinosaurs. Man, it's very important part of the Steven Spielberg collection. Oh! The only thing I care about is them. <laughs> I care about is them refaking the moon landing. I want to see them refake that shit. April twenty twenty five. <laughs> everyone pick it picking that apart will be great but i don't think they're ever going to do it um yeah well then they'll never get to that point again i don't think <laughs> no they're not going to risk that yeah keep coming up with a reason that you have to kick it down there oh all the politicians are too incompetent and jeff bezos sued us so we couldn't possibly do it i guess we need another 63 billion dollars like it that's all it is april 2025 Okay, Homo does a live watch party of of the moon landing. Of, whatever's going on in space, then whether it's oh, a moon landing or not, we yes. can never, we can't say for certain at this point. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a live watch party. <laughs> you you can't say for sure. You're not you're not full of brimming with confidence that they're definitely going to the moon. That wasn't actually the royal we. I meant you know us as a collective. <laughs> I can say for sure. The two of you, however, I don't know. This day you have is a little faith. This is set in stone for me. I don't think I could budge on this. Well, you're going to have to because they're going to keep pushing it back. <laughs> Dude, it's already on my calendar. I'm at the li I'm going to a live watch party that day. What do you come on, guys? <laughs> okay, if it doesn't happen April 2025, we can still do a, a watch party of something else on the last day of April 2025. Just to rub it in their stupid faces. Watch the original moon landing. It'll be just yeah. as real as the new one. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's All right. it. I think that's the show. I hope you guys learned a lot about Winston Churchill and uh, space herpes. Have a good one. <laughs> good night. Don't tell me you don't like my show.